This is a Momentum Media production. Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing. G'day, how you going? Phil Tarrant here, co-host of Inside Commercial Property. Hope you're well. Hope you're enjoying the festive season. Uh, probably sitting around somewhere right now and not actually in the office doing stuff. You're probably hopefully recharging, relaxing, uh, recalibrating over the period of what has been a pretty mad 2021 as we enter into 2022. I've really enjoyed the season, this season of uh, Rethink, of, of uh, Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Uh, my co-host, Scott O'Neill, and myself have navigated a whole bunch of different issues and themes uh, over the course of 2021, trying to give some sense to what's happening in the commercial market and um, holding on also for the ride as uh, commercial property seems to be really igniting across Australia. There seems to be more people interested in commercial property. And whether that's just one of those things when you're going to buy a new car, you see the same car everywhere, so you only really notice it when you're really into it yourself. But I think there's an underlying theme of uh, more Australian property investors looking to create wealth through property, looking at commercial rather than purely residential. It's been an ongoing narrative over the course of 2021. So go back and listen to all those episodes. Uh, there is heaps of them now. This is the second season of this. We kicked it off at the start of uh, the COVID pandemic back in 2020. And we'll be back in 2022 with more to come. You would have heard in the last episode of Inside Commercial Property, myself uh, leveraging the capabilities of Rethink Investing to find myself a property inside of my self-managed super fund. That's something I'll be sharing over the coming months on Inside Commercial Property. So stay tuned. It's going to be real-world scenarios as I go into this myself and share that journey, warts and all, of all the good things about investing in commercial property, but also probably the other stuff which no doubt you'll come across, which is a challenge. But for the last episode of this year, I thought what would be good is to go behind the scenes of the man himself, Scott O'Neill, the guy behind Rethink Investing, who definitely puts his money where his mouth is. Uh, he is a property investor and he has been for many years. And I first met Scott many years ago, having a discussion on the Smart Property Investment Show. He's really pivoted his strategy as an investor, like all property investors, good property investors I know, and he's now pretty heavy in commercial property. So I've persuaded him to come and share his journey, his story. He normally keeps it pretty close. So uh, I'm going to try and do my best to get what I can out of him so you can see warts and all Scott's journey, but also the importance of doing it in partnership. He's very fortunate that he has a good partner in property and I think also a partner in life, his wife, Mina O'Neill, and she's came out of the woodwork and she's going to have a chat to us as well. We'll see how we go with this. Scott, Mina, how are you going? You well? Yeah, very good, mate. Good yourself. <laughs> Not too bad. Coming out of the shadows, Mina, it's good to see you. And uh, I know you guys don't often talk about your own portfolio, but I thought considering the year that myself and Scott has had uh, navigating commercial property and the year prior to that, some real good stories around how it actually all works. And uh, I'm happy to report that while Scott and Mina, Scott in particular, day job is rethink investing and helping property investors uh, source, secure, negotiate uh, the best commercial properties. Uh, they have a lot of skin in the game themselves. And about two years ago, I think they put a book together, co-authored, uh, Rethink Property Investing. We had a chat about it at that point in time as well. Back then, Scott, you had by memory, 32, 33 properties worth about 23 million bucks. Two years on, does it look the same? Yeah, so we've gone from 33 properties at the peak, and that was worth uh, about 20 mil at the time, just over. And um, now we're down to 26 properties, but the 
current valuations are sitting around 46.5. So more than double the asset, but um, less properties. And I think that's sort of a theme we're going to continue with, hopefully even get that number, I don't know, below 15 properties in time and uh, we'll see what the value is. But um, but yeah, it, it seems to be working well because the banks are coming to the party every time we present a property to them. And I think it's just because the income's higher and we've sort of decluttered some uh I guess lower quality debt we had with some of our, our properties that I guess the banks never really, you know, wanted to lend more to. So yeah, it's just a game of finance, this whole thing. And um, yeah, I think we're learning to play it pretty well at the moment. And I think experience allows you to start thinking that way in terms of your property portfolio. And I know a lot of investors with similar size portfolios get to a point where you you got to kick off and get going and you learn a lot, but then it comes a point in time. And for, for a lot of people, there's sort of maybe decade blocks where you need to rethink the strategy and work out how you're going to approach the next period of time. So you've gone through this pathway of sort of scaling back a number of properties and there is a lot of vanity around that. A lot of people talk about how many properties you've got. It's largely irrelevant. It's the actual equity position that you have as a result of your portfolio. And, and you mentioned it's got 26 properties, 46-odd million bucks. What sort of equity do you have in that? Um, so the the current loan amount on that is, as of today, 23.9 mil. So that sounds like a a lot of debt, but um, yeah, you minus that off 46, it's a very good number. So um, that's, yeah, I guess if we sold all up, you'd be um, sitting on about 22 mil, give or take, depending on sort of, obviously there'd be tax paying, but uh, but we don't plan on selling all these things. I think like every investor, you want to write out multiple property cycles. And as of today, we're, you know, I'm 34 minus 33. So we've got time in the market ahead of us. So that's probably why uh, we want to be more strategic rather than just acquiring more or certain number of properties. It's got to be ones that will stand the test of time because, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the decades ahead. So you're both relatively young or young to have a portfolio of that sort of significance. And we'll have a chat about that. But, um, you know, a lot of people would hear these numbers and go, well, I'm, I'm sort of similar age to them. How have they gone about doing this and it's not normal to have a, a portfolio of that size most property investors in Australia only have between one and two properties but it goes to show if you go down a pathway of buying the right properties early on at the right time for the right reason you get some sense for the portfolio you can create how do you in terms of the management of, of this portfolio whose responsibility is this is this more of a mean are you sort of you get the properties after they're they're bought and then you manage the portfolio are you the you're the brains behind this outfit to uh, keep growing and driving this forward? <laughs> it's hard. I mean, you know, having a big portfolio, um, it's pretty much happens where, you know, when we buy it and it kind of comes into my hands and then I take it from there really. So there's a lot involved in managing the portfolio, of course, and it's hard with a bigger one as well. And as a business owner to manage and juggle everyday life, especially now with a young family can be quite tricky. So, you know, there are different aspects of it. For example, on day-to-day basis is you need to make sure that you've got everything up to date. You're speaking to managing agents every single day on various different issues that come with the property. And it's literally on a daily basis that you get a number of emails to make sure things are all running smoothly, making sure fires are being put out, I guess, in that respect. Organizing all your banks, you know, you got your loans that you need to reevaluate every single year, your taxes for all those properties, the insurances that come with it as well. So it's not just at keeping up to that date with the day-to-day maintenance or speaking to people, managing those properties for you, but it's a whole, I guess, bunch of 
different other aspects to make sure that it runs smoothly year to year as well. So it's, I guess, in that respect, we'll probably continue. I guess what we're looking at at the moment is trying to maybe diversify the portfolio and make sure that, you know, those older properties that now have fulfilled their, I guess, purpose in our own portfolio in that next stage of potentially wanting to move into, obviously we've moved into commercial completely and we're making sure that all our properties are moving in that direction. So I guess in that respect, every year as you grow as an investor, your portfolio will change over time according to your requirements in life as well. So for example, one thing that we've decided to do is try to sell certain assets off to invest more so and free up cash to be able to move into commercial investing even more so as you know your life's change. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you've made that pivot to commercial. Can you give me some sense for percentage of that portfolio now, which would be in commercial assets versus resi assets? Um, so, look, I'm going to have to do this off the cuff because I don't really have a breakdown. But it, so we've got the house we live in that would be just under a quarter of that value. And then, look, oh, probably a better way to answer the, the last six properties we bought are twenty-seven million dollars worth of that. Okay, so, the last how many? Six of those are 27 okay. million worth. Wow. And then pretty much it was about, I don't know, 80% resi prior to that. So yeah, look, and we started off in residential, and this is one of the reasons we probably got to this position so quick because we started when we were, you know, early 20s and like we were redlining, like we were taking a loan out the minute or the day we were allowed to. So we were, you know, we were refinancing from houses. We got in, you know, just after the GFC as well. And um, Sydney did its thing in that time. We, we bought multiple properties in Sydney. And um, and honestly, the, I guess what's really helped us leapfrog from that sort of 20 to that 40 mil mark is um, like basically the, the recent boom we've had is just like all these assets. Like Because we had $20 million of assets prior to all this craziness. So you could imagine all the equity, it's just getting chucked at you because of that. And then not only were we kind of utilizing a little bit of that we were selling off so we, we sold down 5.4 million dollars worth of assets so that's sort of where we dropped from 33 properties down to 26 so we sold out of a lot and um obviously that's squaring debt off and yeah just i guess we sold our lowest yielding assets too so it was our oldest properties and our lowest yielding ones were kind of first on the hit list and then yeah, obviously, like we took advantage of the market on a couple of as well because, um, yeah, like we had – I'll let Mina talk about the Port Macquarie one we bought sold recently because that, that tripled in value. And, yeah. Um, we, you we, can't we, complain we, about tripling in value. And uh, I think this is the, the point, Mina, before you sort of get into the, the specific case study around Port Macquarie is a lot of people think managing a portfolio is – I've got to deal with maintenance and stuff. And and you mentioned beforehand, you know, the rents and whatnot. There's two real components around managing portfolio. There's sort of operational management, but then there's the, the strategy management of it as in as the here and now and to keep this stuff going versus how do we keep growing and evolving and moving and shifting and changing it. And you need to be really responsive to that sort of stuff. So that's very much, you know, your role within this partnership is to not only worry about today and keeping the properties ticking over, it's thinking about tomorrow and being strategic about that. And exactly that. And, you know, we decided to sell, you know, a few 
to take advantage of the current growth in the current market as well. Like I was mentioning before, you always kind of want to reevaluate yourself. Circumstances changes change all the time. So you want to make sure that you're looking ahead of time as well. And what am I going to do now? What am I doing now? What am I going to do in 20 years time? You know, so currently an example is Port Macquarie. We had four units. The reason for sale for personally us was we looked at, it, at the portfolio as a whole and we can see that the transition to the next stage for us currently is was a property. I personally found that this property for me was a lot to manage. There were a lot of tendencies on there. There were bits and pieces that were going left, right and centre. It was one of those ones that personally for us we wanted to get rid of so to move on to that next stage and to free up our time as well. So for myself personally, that was very important, especially with a young family. It was an older building, which we would have later had to develop in ourselves into something bigger potentially, but that's not what we are focusing on at this stage. So we want, as we want to buy commercial, we want to diversify that way. So we bought that one for $425,000 in 2014. We sold it for 1.3 million in 2021, which is almost you know 300% increase in value, which is huge. So a perfect example of trying to take advantage of the market to make sure that we can progress our portfolio forward. And every year, like I was mentioning before, we should try and evaluate and look over portfolio. Ask yourself, you know, I say to myself, where do I want to be in 20 years into the future? What types of properties do I want to have under my belt? You know, so we started with residential, then commercial, then what? What can you get? A pub, a hotel, every day you change. So so does your life as you go ahead. So what's the long-term plan for you guys? You know, most property investors are only getting started in their early 30s because they've had a job for a while and have been able to build up some cash and get going. It's normally a time when most people start investing. You're already thinking transitioning to not investing and that's important. But when do you think that will happen, Scott? Are you always going to be an investor or will there be a point where you just go, that's it, done, and now it's time to drive down the debt in the portfolio and do whatever you want to do? I think you know the answer because you're the same, Phil. They, uh, I don't think an investor will ever stop. It's not so much about the money side of it. It's the game and shit that you get out Mm. of, you know, just it's like investing in stocks. It's it's it is a form of gambling if you really want to call it that, but it's it's educated gambling and and you know, you win out of it long term. It's that's the big difference. So once it's in your blood, you'll never stop. But that's why like we we are trying different things you know you do, like mm-hmm. we don't just keep sticking and buying the four bedroom houses in the suburbs and buying a hundred of them because that to be is, is completely monotonous and boring and, and the results really don't speak for themselves once you understand how how labor intensive and time consuming it becomes so mm-hmm. to answer your question we don't really know where we're going like this is why we thought we'd chat about it in this podcast because you know we're still learning and changing yeah changing and transitioning i guess yeah and i think as you go along you know your investing career you're transitioning to the next investing stage is always going to be ever changing so yeah so that's okay it's okay not knowing where you're going i still don't really i don't even know what i'm gonna do when i grow up i'm still trying to work it out but um as long as you, and everyone talks about the property fundamentals and, you know, hashtag yawn, everyone just bangs on about it all the time. But but there is actual merit to that, as in if you do the right stuff, if you're buying the right properties and you're able to hold those properties, those fundamental things means that it's okay not to know exactly how things are going to end up. And, and if you're going to make a plan today, I'll tell you what, it's not going to survive 
you know, a day, you know, because things always change and move and opportunities happen. Who would have thought COVID would have hit, which would have thrown many people's plans into disarray, both positively and negatively. So it's okay not to know, isn't it? Exactly. And even in that that book we wrote a couple of years ago now, I actually flipped to the end of it and it said we were going to buy, I think we said our goal was 10 million in extra properties over 10 years or something like that. And COVID changed that because COVID just put a rocket under the market and all of a sudden, you know, there was a lot more we could do. There was much faster capital growth than anyone ever thought. And and commercial particularly, you know, obviously all the headlines are around residential, how quick it's grown, like 20, 25% growth in one year. Mm. Commercial's done just that. And not only that is you're sitting on yields three, four times higher than residential. So it's been a really, really good year for property. And that's just sped up and given us a lot more options as well. Options are good and you make your own options and through good financial management and debt management, as you spoke about, is a game, absolutely a game of finance. It gives you those opportunities. How are you sitting with the banks, Mina? So to Scott saying they're happy to sort of extend more money to you, um, but I guess it's your choice whether or not you want to take it on. I guess that it's also a balance, I guess, of the two. I guess, uh, you know, of course we want to make sure that we're diversifying, making sure that we're going in the right direction over time, And but I guess – for me, you know, obviously, like I said, I mentioned earlier, it's hard with a big portfolio and as a business owner to manage and juggle all that stuff with everyday life and a young family. Mm. It can be quite challenging. But of course, you need to stay on top of everything as you go and as life progresses, because um, I guess, and this is how we've always approached our investing career. So we were able, you know, we want to eventually, for example, be able to service a lifestyle, I guess, and buy lifestyle properties like the one we live in at the moment and also one that we're currently, um, we have overseas as well. So I guess all these options with, you know, banks and everything, we always make sure that we're across it all to make sure that is it right at the moment? Sometimes it may not be, sometimes it may be, but it depends on the situation. Yeah, and we've probably got too many banks, so it's sort of... That's another thing. We'd like to, that's probably something we'll do over the next 12 months to clear out. I don't know, we're going to try to refinance all our residential debt into maybe one bank and then uh, keep a little bit of a spread with the commercial stuff. Mm. Because, you know, I, I got a note the other day from Aussie Home Loans for a bank account I didn't even know we had. You know, it's just like if you lose control of that, then. You can create, like, you can miss mortgage repayments and that can yeah. create bad credit. It's all about organisation and and that's the hard thing as well. With having that many, you need to be across so many different aspects and they've got different rules in different locations So in different banks. So if you're not organised, if you don't have everything down-packed, you will lose control over it. Oh, I completely echo those sentiments. Be careful what you wish for, you know. You see a lot of new to market investors, first time investors. They they're chasing these big portfolios and number of properties. It's tough, you know. It's hard when you start managing thirty plus assets uh, simultaneously with that many different mortgages, and you know, it's a full time job to manage it all. And you got to make sure that the effort is worth the return. And therein lies the opportunity about being hyper organized and having good systems and processes and and being connected with it all. But it is a large portfolio. The, the key shift that I would, as an observer of you guys growing out this portfolio, is that there's a trigger point where you've gone from being resi to commercial. Was that, Scott, something that you stumbled upon just through doing it or you always knew that resi would be your engine in order to be able to propel you into commercial properties? 
No, look, we invested for the numbers. And back in the 2010s, the numbers were really good for Resi. Like you could go buy a unit block with 10% gross yield on it. Like that would net out at 7%. Like there were really good numbers on offer. So as primarily cash flow investors with capital growth as still a priority, but just, you know, it wasn't the number one. It was like a close second. Yeah, Resi, Resi ticked all the boxes back then. Like we, we got 65 gross yields in Sydney, you know, we've, we've through the granny flat model and um, they don't just don't exist. So we got forced to commercial because of the numbers. And as a big slap on the face was when the bank said no more with Resi. And that was kind of where the, the problem just got engineered out for us. We had to go to commercial because the doors closed with Resi and buying the house in Sydney was the nail in the coffin. Like once you take on that non-tax deductible debt, when you've already got, you know, a dozen or so properties, that's where it sort of, it was all over for Resi. Yeah. So some of the best gifts come badly wrapped, right? Like put that handbrake put on by the banks made you rethink exactly where you're going and you're being able to uncover a whole untapped vein of, of value creation through commercial property. I think, Scott, having known you pretty well for a couple of years, is that you're never going back to Resi, are you? No, look, and I can say it happens with every one of my clients. Once they buy a commercial, and, yeah, I'm yet to really – hear a proper case study where they go back unless it's for a lifestyle property there's mm. there's plenty of that going on at the moment but um i dare say that'll slow up once the economy slows up if it does you know all the you know holiday homes on the coast may because they're all tripling in value as well like things are going crazy but um yeah look commercial is for me it's it's more enjoyable because it's a little bit different the numbers are better you know you're buying things like pubs and stuff like that which uh to me it's just a whole lot more interesting doing due diligence on that compared to going through uh, the what ifs of a suburb potential growth like it's just so airy fairy residential you know it's obviously a it's a really good starting point but yeah when it comes just to sheer numbers i think commercials yeah it just stacks up a bit better for now and sort of spoke a lot about it on inside commercial property the different types of commercial assets you get to a point where you know, your um, industrial unit starts becoming more mum and dad investing in commercial versus something like a pub, which is a bit more specialised and needs a really good underlying business around it. And it's very much a single use operation versus something like a uh, industrial unit. Where, where are you at now with with your sort of pathway in commercial properties? You're, you're now looking at more bespoke type investments at that higher value. Have, have you got any pubs in the portfolio yet? So we've got one under contract, but sort of generally we're going down. It's still passive income. That's the goal. So mm. we're a little bit light on in industrial. So we've got an industrial property, which is settling in a couple of weeks. That's just a classic Brisbane dual income type thing, sort of 10Ks out from the city, um, you know, just over 6% net yield on that one. And they're just, I think it's safe as houses because the vacancy rates for industrial are around 2% in in industrial for Brisbane and there's just so much capital growth on, on offer. They're, it's actually very hard to buy well that type of property at the moment. So like you said, it's become a bit more mum and dad mainstream type because it's not a one-purpose type asset. Like if you lose your tenant, you've got another storage or you know, some kind of food related or, you know, anyone that just stores or supplies or builds or manufactures or any any of that can go under a, a tin roof. And that's that versatility is quite popular with investors at the moment. And we've got, a you know, a small shopping centre, which is obviously 
we bought that a couple of years ago. Um, that was actually part of a syndicate, but we bought out the other syndicate owners because the one of the guys had to get his money out to buy a place in Spain. So that was a good opportunity to get into that asset as a hundred percent owner. And um, and yeah, look, we've got a, a pub under contract as well, which I won't go into the details because it's sort of you know you'd quickly Google it and find where it is. But um, yeah, look, as you can see, they're all sort of passive investments, which. Yeah, bit of a but it's a variety. I think that's the key message. So the question for you, Mina, is do you like investing in property or what is it that you like about investing in property? Probably two questions there. Yes, I do like investing in property, definitely. <laughs> I guess um the reason why me and Scott originally got together in the start we we when we first started dating. <laughs> We had a very big common interest in that. And we found that our mindset was very similar as well. So once we started, he kind of said to me one day, you know, um, thinking about buying this property. I'm like, yeah, look, you know, we should, you know, start getting that on board. And and this was, you know, how many years ago now? And he just went, what do you think? And I went, well, how much is it going to give it back? What's it going to give back to you? What's it all, you know, after everything, what do you got left? You know, and I guess that's where we started kind of knowing where we're very similar in the way we're investing in the way we think about investments as well and where we want to be in 20 years, like I said earlier in the conversation. So we're always constantly thinking together as to, well, you know, if we do this, what do we do with that? Or what about this potential? Or hang on, what if that happens? You know, so it's always never ending. I do love investing. I do find it's very... I don't know, I guess it goes down to the bones. <laughs> yeah, it's in you, I guess, mm. in that respect. And I think Scott's the same that way too. Your brain doesn't switch off. Yeah. Well, um, the commonalities is important, right? It's the best yeah. sort of relationships of doing it together. It's it's great to win collectively rather than individually, but you've got to be on the same page. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a good point to bring up, like, because obviously I deal with a lot of clients and sometimes the partners are not on the same page. And the thing where Mia and I works is like I remember showing that first property. It was a bit of a dump and I was actually <laughs> afraid she was going to, you know, what are you buying this crappy thing for? And no, she saw through the numbers. It was like there was a greater good to the property. And for Mina and I, it was always about buying the time back. You know, that property mm. was spitting out, I don't know, 200 bucks a week clear after the mortgage and maintenance. So, you know, that at the time was just almost like a free holiday to Europe. And um that's what investing was rather than, oh, it's got to be a pretty thing that I can drive past or or we have to buy the house first because we bought a lot of properties before we bought a home to live in. And, and that was probably the biggest single game changer for us. If we loaded up on that owner-occupier house in our early 20s, then Stop I don't it. think any of this would have happened. Yeah. And do you think, uh, Mina, you'll continue to enjoy investing in property? Because there's the nice bit of property investing that is sort of going, hey, that was bought well, we're doing well there, we're creating equity, but then the day-to-day reality of it is that it sucks having that many <laughs> properties in your portfolio where you're just sitting there going, I don't care about it, I don't want to hear from this person, I don't care that the gate's broken, I don't care there's a roller door falling <laughs> off a thing, but you have to deal with it, right, because then it compromises your investment. So how do you deal with that dichotomy? I guess you just do. I guess I'm used to it over time. You know, I think, um, you know, it is hard to hear, you know, of course, this is why I guess from, you know, and mind you, our residential portfolio is great. You know, I manage it every day. You just have to put it aside sometimes, you know, and not think of, you know, the nitty gritty sometimes 
and just do it because the result is so much bigger in so many ways. And that's the reason why also moving into commercial is so big for us because managing it is so much easier as well, which is why we've also looked at our own portfolio, looking to try and take a few off that we may not need and diversify that way because it means it's a less of a headache, I guess, a little bit along the way. However, there are also many that I don't hear of as well. It just depends on the property itself. They're all very different. And sometimes I feel it all happens at once. When things start going wrong, everything goes wrong together. And, and therein lies the skill set is a when you get experience with property investors, just work it out. Don't sweat the small stuff or being able to triage stuff pretty quickly and go, oh, that's a headache. That's a hassle. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Oh, this thing over here, I've got to sort that out because it can manifest into something more significant. And the question I've got, Scott, you know, it's a big portfolio with a number of 26 assets in it, 40, 46 odd million bucks. What's your structure like? Is it you sort of invest inside trusts or individually, or how's all that work? Yeah, look, multiple trusts. So we set up almost a new trust every property these days. And this is probably something that. I always thought about, you know, they they always talk about all these investors own six or more properties. I'm just wondering, is that because, you know, a good investor shouldn't be buying six in one trust generally Mm -hmm. because there's, I guess it's not as tax effective. And uh, this is where your accountant will probably be more pointed with the answers. But, um, but yeah, like we're, especially a large asset, which has a, you know, one property is over the land tax threshold. You want to kind of you know, spread that out as much as you can. And there's, there's structures to do that. And um, yeah, that, so that's what we do. We, we used to buy in our personal names, but it doesn't really work for a large portfolio. And um, yeah, it's unit trusts or family unit trust, discretionary trust is sort of the, the way we've been going. And, and whose job is it to manage all that? Is that yours as well, Mina? Because yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's and again, like you know, the more you buy, the greater complexity when you start needing to do financials and tax returns for multiple entities, and it does get confusing oh. and complicated. You need a really good accountant there. Yeah, it takes me. I'd probably say on a standard year, considering we've been growing a little bit too, of course, and I'd probably say three to four months at least to do taxes. Yeah, it's again, <laughs> like, be careful what you wish for. You know, it's. <laughs> It's quite nice having a big portfolio, but it comes with a, a lot of operational baggage, I guess you would call it. That, exactly. Um, and if you let that slip, you're stuffed because to Scott's point, it's a game of finance. And as soon as you don't have that information, it's a lot more difficult to get finance or you got to pay a lot more money on the debt. So it's good to be well uh, structured around it. So I really enjoy the chat, guys. It's uh, it's good to get an insight of it all. And, it, you know, you, you're not sort of slowing down. What sort of commercial stuff do you like at the moment? What, where, where are you heavy in your commercial portfolio, Scott? Um, well, look, we're we're sort of very well spread out, to be honest. So we're we're kind of maybe sixty percent retail, and then thirty um, percent. Yeah, look, it, it got a little bit of office in there, and then um, a couple of specialty type things. So it it is very mixed. So we're probably heaviest in retail, and and that's like specific type retail, like fast food or convenience center. I, I always like that asset class long term. Like I didn't really buy into the the doomsday COVID, it's, you know, everything's finished forever type scenario. Like there's always a headline that's going to tell you you're you're an idiot for investing in a property, but mm. at the end of the day, the rents are still getting paid. And um, 
we're probably a little bit light on in industrial, but um, but look, it's I probably think we're still got a bit more to do with resi to sell out. And the reason we haven't sold out more, and I'd love to, because the market is amazing for resi. Like you can, as a seller, you can dictate the price. But just from a capital gains point of view, we want to spread some stuff into next financial year. So that will probably mean we sell maybe another four or five resi next year. But um, and that's probably our our round of selling for now. Yeah, that tax planning is so important. Even then, just stalling it by, you know, six months into the next financial year, uh, you do end up with a nice big bill. And it sounds like you guys don't chase losses to offset capital gains. So one of the upsides uh, for the Australian government by uh, having very capable property investors is that there's some nice uh, tax receipts on the other side for them. So this is the price you play to operate in property and uh, and make some bucks on the way through. But um, well, good, thing no for our tax re- good thing for our tax return is uh, we're no good at share portfolios. So we've got a few losses to write off there. So. <laughs> <laughs> My share portfolio has been hammered the last month. I, I just look at it all the time and just go, what am I, what am I doing? Why am I investing outside of my comfort zone? And that is property. But Anyway, you got to be uh, got to be mixed up. So, so let's just say fast forward to December twenty twenty two, and we'll do this podcast again. Um, what do you reckon we're going to be chatting about, guys? Oh, what in terms of our portfolio? Your portfolio. Or the, it's a good question. I, I'd enjoy. Yeah, look, we've got a house to build in that time. So, <laughs> a house to live. My, my little secret dream with that, and I'll have to run it past <laughs> Mina, is once it's built, revalue the thing, and then pull out as much as we can and buy a nice big property with it. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no we so can. are you knocked down rebuilding or what? Oh, it's basically. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So, oh, okay. Oh, so you're doing a big reno where you live right now, eh? Yeah, the yeah. footings will remain that. So it is technically a, a reno, but um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of work involved in in that. So buildings and, you know, not a story in itself. Who's, so hopefully who's, next year that's where we'll be at. Wow. <laughs> who's project place. managing that? Uh, <laughs> Myself, okay, <laughs> me probably. That's cool. Well, yeah, nice I love project. it though. You know, it's great. You know, um, I've seen you know my family, you know, my parents build before, and I've always been interested in it. And I've always said to myself, you know, if you're gonna the place that you live in, if you can get it, you know, eighty percent, ninety percent, as much as you like to yourself, the only way you will get that is through a build, I guess. So mm. we're very excited. Well, there you go. well, that's going to be full. So it's never as easy if you can get yourself a builder. That good luck with that. And then uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people are doing it right now. You're paying thirty plus percent more on on materials and labour at the moment, purely because of the market. So hopefully they open up the borders and let some people in yeah. to help build stuff. Not the best time to build, but is what it is. Mm. Nice. All right. Well, that's uh, yeah, really good, guys. We'll cover a lot of ground there. Thanks for for sharing um, the real story behind the portfolio and the people behind Rethink Investing. You probably don't let too many people know that, Scott, so it's on the record now. Everyone knows. Yeah, we sort of normally just talk about the general number. And it, it's funny, like before we had a business, my parents didn't even know I had, I think we had nine properties and they thought we had two. Like we were very private. And mm. what it is uncomfortable talking about it but look running a buyer's agency you kind of have to because you're investing people's money and if you're not open with what you're doing it brings a level of distrust i think so it's not an exercise of saying look this is what we've got it's really like this is you know we're doing exactly what we're recommending our clients to do and and um yeah that i guess that's the goal with it all and i think that that's um, more than reasonable and I guess doing what I'm doing is podcasting. You sort of brought up with this notion of you, you shouldn't talk about money with other people or how much you have. And you know, by and large, I sort of 
concur with that, but in the right environment, I think it's more than appropriate to talk about money and it's sort of a pathway for financial education and the more Australians which have better financial education means they're going to be making better decisions when it comes to wealth creation. So that's perpetual and generational also because I think, you know, we're going to be teaching our kids about money. So if parents are doing that sort of stuff and having a good relationship about talking about money and taking some of the taboo out of it, it's okay if it's productive. So it's good to see. That's the reason why we talk about the Smart Property Investment Portfolio, you know, how to get it right, how to get it wrong and all the things that we don't do that well and all the things that we do pretty well. So it's one of the great things about property and leverage in Australia is that you can get it done. Yeah, exactly. And it just promotes others to think the same way. And I know we've changed many lives through this and you would have too, feel like just your Smart Property Investment Podcast. I got that's sort of one of the stalwarts of the industry. Thousands of investors would have taken action because of that. And I think that's brilliant. Like if if you sort of just keep your head in the sand and, you know, follow what most, I guess, what our parents would have done, which was probably not invest, maybe buy one investment house and pay it off. In this climate, it, it won't result in retirement. So there's many ways to do it. Our strategy is just one of dozens of others that are, are worth following, but it's... um. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear what others are doing. Yeah, we'll share that. And uh, coming up in 2022 for Inside Commercial Property, we're going to get some more investor stories uh, underway. Scott, we're going to find me a, a property inside of my self-managed super fund. That'll give us a bit of fun for the first couple of uh, episodes for 2022. And that's all underway uh, right now. It is official and, and the search is underway. Uh, we're cracking through that. And we'll probably do a cover that off in the first episode of 2022 as well. But um, that's a really nice way to round out this calendar year, 2021. I hope everyone's enjoying the uh, festive season, the holiday period. Uh, Scott, thanks uh, for your time, energy and effort over 2021 as we we build out this particular podcast and and popularity around it. It's one thing that I think now a lot more people are thinking about commercial property. You've probably already seen it just inside of this Uh a lot more queries coming through to you around, oh, this all sounds pretty good. What do I do about it? And if you're one of those people, what do they do? How do they get in touch with you? I know um, I know your diary is pretty full, but. <laughs> oh, look, just the usual um, Google rethinkinvesting.com.au. Um, and we've been hiring lots of new people in the business. So we're, we're sort of growing with this demand. And it's it's for us, it's really been putting on back-end start to help with due diligence, helping with front desk and all that stuff. So we, we're really sort of bulking up guess the quality side of the business so there's a lot of hands on deck now to to sort of deal with the nitty-gritty of properties and you'll see this when we start going through your uh super fun stuff of you know once we find the right asset for you and there's a lot of resources we allocate to to finding properties too like that's we've had to quadruple that up because it is tough finding assets so we spend a lot of time and money to to secure good assets but then once we've found it we're going to act quick with the due diligence, and there's um, we've got some really good guys in the team that that go through all that detail as well, which uh, you'll no doubt see. Very cool. Look forward to it, Mina. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on today and having a chat. Thanks for having me. Nice one. Now uh, that's inside commercial property. Go and check the guys out. Rethink Investing. Uh, just Google it, but I think it's rethinkinvesting.com.au, and we'll see you all again next year for Inside Commercial Property 2022. Until then, bye bye. <laughs>